but the thunder of his power, who can understand? And as I read it, as I spoke it, I started to feel it, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? And the more I say that, the thunder of his power, who can understand? I instantly become smaller. He becomes greater. My vision becomes mightier because it's rooted in the one who is almighty, the one whose thunder and his power, who can understand? This is the beauty of God. This is a, a sliver of what it should be. This is the glory that's due his name. Loved ones, we need a greater vision. Welcome back to Live in the Light. We're glad that you've joined us here for a brand new week. Hey, don't forget to check us out online at liveinthelight.ca or even dial us up at 1-844-22-LIGHT and grab a copy of today's message. In fact, today's message is a great one, Robbie. It's on the character of God, right? The greatness of our God. Amen. One of the things that is seldom accessed in the Christian life is to understand the freedom and the joy and the blessing of not looking at ourselves. It's amazing how you will never stare at the attributes or the face of Jesus Christ. You will never do that, Craig, and be disappointed. Every time you gaze at him and look at him, you see him as he wants to be seen. And all of a sudden, our lives change because the focus is off ourselves and our sin and honestly, our failure. And it's onto the perfection, righteousness, the holiness, and the majesty of God. That's what the doctrine of the Lord, the doctrine of the character of God is designed to do for us to be just held in awe of all that he is and out, allowing us to see how big he is and how small uh, we are. So may that, may that purpose happen again today uh, through God's word, the doctrine really of God. Amen. Well, I'm excited and I hope you guys are as well. So let's get our Bibles open. We're starting in Psalm 145 today. Here again is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. Please open your Bibles to uh, Psalm 145. Psalm 145 is where we'll be for a bit together. And whenever we're tackling different doctrines of the word and doing some systematic theology together, we're going to be hitting a couple of verses uh, beyond just one. Uh, This is week three in Glorious Doctrine. I want to remind you that the purpose of this series and the prayer for this series is that we would find knowledge in a greater way that leads to love in a greater way, that leads to a greater love for God, a greater love for each other, and a greater love for the poor and the powerless a greater love for the lost. And so that's a great measurement for us as a church in this series as we grow in knowledge of God is do we love him more and worship him more? Do we love one another more in the body of Christ? And do we love the lost more who we want so much to know the God that we know, that we love, and who has saved us? Our sermon title today together is this, How Great Is Our God? Uh, We're studying the doctrine of God And so I wanted to call that how great is our God because that's the end game today. That's our goal. Uh, My prayer for you, my my burden for you uh, tonight and this week and for me and for my family and for the leaders of this church and for the people of this church is that you will again be affected and encountered by the living God tonight, that you will see him in a fresh way, 
that you will know how awesome he is and you will understand how small you are in comparison to him, but that will not discourage you. That will fill you with such encouragement that you will gaze upon your almighty God and you will know him and you will love him and you will pursue him and you will be utterly astounded with the fact that the God of the universe who cannot be contained, who cannot be comprehended, desires that you will know him, desires that you will love him and desires that you will know his love for you more. That's the end game today and that's what I'm praying for again for you and praying for for me. But this cannot happen apart from God doing it. But that's the end goal. I'm excited about our content tonight. I'm excited for the simple message in a sense, yet the content and the details that are coming all resulting, I pray, in the glory of God. How do you handle the doctrine of God in a single message? This is how, you don't. You could take all the sermons ever given on the doctrine of God and they would not even scratch the surface as what it means to understand the glory, the beauty, the majesty, and the greatness of our God. That's what we're seeking, though. Just a, a little bit more, God. Would you give us a greater vision? Would you give us a vision of majesty? Would you give us a vision of your glory? Would you give us a vision of your utter greatness? Would you give us a vision of yourself, God Almighty? Have you ever stopped long enough to consider how small we often think? Not how small we are, because I hope we know that, but how small we often think in our lives. If you stop long enough to consider how trivial our pursuits can actually be, just ask yourself this, what upsets you? What are the things that get under your skin? What makes you anxious? What excites you? What stirs up your pride in a negative way? What makes you angry? What causes your happiness? What does your affection run after? When you look at these questions, if you're like me, you have to admit to yourself that very often they're very small things and they're petty things that we get upset about and they're self-focused things and they're self-driven in the things that we really are concerned about. Now, I'll speak for myself, but if I stop long enough, and you can speak for yourself, if I stop long enough to consider what I long for, what upsets me, what excites me, if I think about it long enough, honestly, most often, it's pathetic. It's pathetic to see the things that run through my mind that I am concerned about as opposed to the God that I belong to and the glory that he deserves from my life. I mean, why are we so filled with, with, with material longings? Why do we have such envy all the time? Why do we go through such vanity? Why do we get offended when people say things against us? Why are we fighting for our own pride? Why do, we, why do we jockey for position? Why are we so concerned about temporal dwellings? Why do I get angry? Why do I get angry within traffic? Why can't I take criticism or correction? Why must my kid go first? Why do I yell? Why do I clamor for recognition? Why do I not see change or growth year after year when the Lord says this is what he wants to do in my life? The reason these things are happening because my vision is too small because our vision is too small it's too frivolous it's too much about self loved ones we need a greater vision we need a vision that's so far beyond us we need a vision that satisfies and therefore we need a vision of the one of the only one of the awesome one of the one who truly alone is great we need a greater vision listen I need a greater vision and that's why today our doctrine is how great is our God 
because that alone is the only vision that will set you free of the things that hold you back. Here's how great our God is. We've got two main points tonight. Here's the first one. Our God is so great, he cannot be fully known. Our God is so great, he cannot be fully known. Psalm 145, verse 3. Verse 3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. It cannot be located. It's so great, it cannot be exhausted. It cannot be fully found out. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In fact, his greatness is so great, it is unsearchable. Look at Psalm 145, verse four. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. That's what we're doing tonight. One generation after another generation standing up to declare the greatness, the goodness, the awesome nature of our God. Verse five, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. That's what we're doing tonight. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. And I will declare your greatness. Lord, help us to do that tonight. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness. Amen. They shall sing loud of your righteousness. Help us to do that tonight, God. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. Great is the Lord. Verse three again. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. This verse here in verse three is dealing with the incomprehensibility of God. Incomprehensibility, eight syllables. Wow, what a word. The incomprehensibility of God. And what does that mean? It means that God is so great and God is so awesome. We will never fully comprehend him. We will never fully comprehend his whole being either now or I suggest to you even in heaven because God is infinite and we are finite. Job 26 verse 14, here's what it says. Behold, and this is after Job recalling the things of the Lord and and in declaring the things that God has done, he says, behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways and how small a whisper do we hear of him but the thunder of his power who can understand but the thunder of his power who can understand loved ones right there that's a thought we too seldom have that's a thought we must have more of even as I read that that verse in my study this week I said it over and over again and I said it out loud to my heart but the thunder of his power who can understand and as I read it as I spoke it I started to feel it but the thunder of his power who can understand and the more I say that the thunder of his power who can understand I instantly become smaller he becomes greater my vision becomes mightier because it's rooted in the one who is almighty, the one whose thunder and his power, who can understand. This is the beauty of God. This is a a sliver of what it should be. This is the glory that's due his name. Loved ones, we need a greater vision. We need a grander vision. We gotta get rid of the mirror. We gotta look up and gaze at the one who truly is great. The one who can never be fully known. Turn to Romans chapter 11, Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Paul here at the end of 11 chapters, listen, of doctrine, 
11 chapters of the glory of the doctrine of the sovereignty of the salvation of God. 11 chapters in Romans and he comes to verse 33. Listen, he cannot contain it. Here's the proof of what doctrine does right here for your life. Here's the proof when you apply it properly, you will be overwhelmed, literally overcome with the nature and the beauty and the majesty and the magnificence of the God who has saved you, who has set you free. And Paul here explodes. He can't contain it. He can't take it anymore. Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, he says, oh, the depth of the riches. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Listen to what he said, how unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. If you're not digging the doctrine, you're not saying the statement. If you're not saying the statement, you're missing out on this life. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that God might have to repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. And the only result of statements like this and this incredible doxology is to him be glory. To him be glory forever, he says. Can I get an amen? Amen. 11 chapters of doctrine, this is what Paul comes up with. We need a greater vision, loved ones. I need a greater vision. I need a vision like this. I need a vision like Paul has right here. I'm gonna stand to you today. I don't got it. I don't got it as I stand here before you today. I saw that this week. I don't have this going on in my life right now, but I want it. More than ever, I want it because I know how rich it is. I know how pure it is. I know how beautiful it is. I know how awesome my God is when I see him as he is. He's not changing. I just need to change to see him in his unchangeableness. This is what God wants us to do. This is when you find freedom. This is when you start to see life. This is when the pain and the sorrows of this world becomes very, very itty bitty in the realm, in the contrast, in the comparison to the depths of the riches of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. And you, like Paul too, will say, oh, look at my God. I need a vision like this. I need a vision that hates my sin so much in the light of the glory and the holiness of my God. I need a vision that sees the the earthly dirt and dust and coals of the things of the world that tell me that they're gonna give me happiness and they do not. I need a vision that propels me to the riches and the wisdom of God. I need a vision that stops telling God what to do. And I need a vision that submits and surrenders to the omnipotence and the omniscience of my God. That's a vision that I need. And that's a vision that you need as well. And this vision begins with doctrine. Begins with the doctrine that my God cannot be fully known. Why? Because he's just too awesome. But why is it that God cannot be fully known? Four reasons today. Four reasons that God cannot be fully known. Number one, and I could probably put down 20 reasons. We have four. The reason God cannot be fully known because he is infinite. His infinitude. He is infinite. Our God is infinite, yet his creatures are finite. 
what this means by definition is that creatures depend upon their creator for their very existence. Just think about it. How did you come into existence? You say, oh, my mom and dad, sorry, incorrect. They don't have a clue how to make you. They don't have a clue how you were formed together in the womb of your mother. Listen, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That alone is an awesome revelation to the power, the design, the glory of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by a God who is in control of the entire universe. You breathe right now. Your heart beats right now. You are able to sit up straight and have eyes open right now only because God allows you, the one who sustains you. Think about that. How did you come into existence? I cannot take credit. I do not know. I did not choose. I was born. I got emotions. I have a mind. I have a heart. I laugh. I cry. I think I'm sitting here now. How did I come into existence? By one. By the one that you have been created by. You are the created. You are the creature completely dependent upon your creator. 100% for everything, for anything. You are absolutely at the will and the mercy of the one who created you. And his name is God. His name is God Almighty. His son is Jesus Christ. And his spirit is the Holy Spirit of God. That is the one right now, whether you see it or not, that is your truth. And this God, incredibly and amazingly, he loves you. But he must be loved by us. That's the doctrine of God. That we must see him and love him. But here it is, our God is independent because he is infinite. Understand this, our God needs no one. Our God needs nothing. Our God, ready, ready, our God doesn't owe us anything. He is God. He is infinite. Acts 17, verse 24. This is Paul speaking and he says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands. I love this next phrase. As though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind. He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. There's nothing that worries your God. There's nothing that fatigues your God. There's nothing that frights your God. There is nothing that changes your God. Nothing. He is absolutely infinite. Next, this. He is perfect. Your God is perfect. And this is something, loved ones, we just cannot fully understand. God in his perfection, he perfectly combines things like love and wrath, justice and holiness and patience and jealousy. All of his attributes are perfectly united yet infinitely complex. And this is what is happening in Romans chapter 11. Paul contemplating these mind-blowing truths of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. And finally he says, for who has known the mind of the Lord? See, our vision of God must include his unfathomable perfection. Just think of imperfection. That's easy. That's, that's us. Think of all the people who let you down because every single person in this room will let someone else down because we are imperfect. But just think of perfection. That's harder to do because we have nothing in ourselves to compare it to. But our God is perfect. Listen, he is perfect in his omniscience. 
omniscience is all-knowing. He is perfect in his omnipotence, which is all-powerful. Our God is perfect in his omnipresence, that he is everywhere at all times. Our God is absolutely and perfectly perfect. He will never be fully understood. He's infinite, he's perfect. But this, this third reason here we can't fully understand is very important too. It's because we are sinful. The reason we will never fully understand our God is because we are sinful. And we must remember and remember often that our sin has deeply impacted our ability to trust, uh, to see, to understand. And from the moment that sin entered the world, what did sin do? It, it distorted, it destroyed, it was devastating to the human mind and heart. Even right now here, sin is distorting certain things. We rely so heavily on God's spirit. We just always remember this, remember this, the ultimate goal of sin is to make you what? It's to make you God. The ultimate goal of your sin is to put you on the throne as God and remove God from his, or at least to think you can do that. This is what happened to Satan. He wanted to be God. He attempted to place himself on the throne of God and therefore he was cast down. But this is the devastation of sin. This is when we tell God who he is and we tell God what he should be like. This is when we pick and choose what we believe as opposed to accepting what God has said. This is when it really becomes about self-glory as opposed to God's glory. This is when we don't like doctrine so clearly defined. So we tell God that he's wrong and that we're right. Because we are sinful, we will never fully understand our God. Now, I'll admit this. There are some doctrines that I don't totally get. There are some doctrines, if I think about it long enough, they hurt my mind. But listen, I've learned to accept them. And I've learned to love them. Why? Because I love my God. I'm so sorry, but human beings can be so arrogant. Human beings trying to boss God around. Human beings deciding what they believe what God has actually said. Human beings decide if they like what God has said and if they're going to decide to go another way and again to tell God what they think. And so then God's going to change his ways to adapt to a, a sinful uh, uh, human race. I mean, just, 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 just imagine for me a second, if you just sit back and think of the things that people say and, and frighteningly the things that go through our minds at times, imagine the moments that, that people have cursed God, ignored God, instructed God, and then just imagine judgment. Imagine standing before God. I mean, do you really think that anyone will stand before the awesome God in his utter perfection, his infinite nature, his omniscience and his omnipotence, his maj majesty and holiness. Do you really think you'll look at God in all his glory and say, you're unfair to me, God? Do you really think, you might say that now, but do you think you'll stand before this God that we are revealed to in scripture and in creation and you'll stand before him and you'll complain? That won't happen. Because the intensity of his glory the radiance of his holiness, the overpowering nature of his purity, it will make us be disintegrated in any stance of, you're not God, I am. It just won't happen. That 
That's how awesome he is. That's how great he is. I love this truth that we don't know what we're talking about. Let me read for you. And this is when I think of these things, I run to Job chapter 38. And this is where Job is basically saying, God, how could you mistreat me this way? How could you do these things to me? And Job 38 says, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Because these thoughts are too seldom in the Christian church right now. God said this to Job, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Who is this that is speaking but doesn't know what he's talking about? God says, dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Hey, Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Hey, Job, who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or what words bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Hey, Job, who shut, who shut in the sea with its doors when it burst out from the womb? Who said to the waves, you shall come, you shall come no farther? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked into the recesses of the deep? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare, Job, if you know all this. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Have you seen the storehouses of the hail? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt? Can you bind the chains of Pallades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you send forth lightning, Job, that they may go and say to you, here we are? Do you give the horses might? Do you clothe the neck with the mane? Tell me, Job, answer me, Job, God says, is it at your command that the eagles mount up or makes his nest on high? God says, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. And Job finally, at the end, he says, behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once. I will not answer twice. I will proceed no further. And right to the very end, Job says at the end of the book of Job and all that he's been through and all that he's seen, he says to the Lord, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. What is Job finding out? He's finding out that because we are sinful, we don't understand. There's too much information we do not have. We can never really, in a true state, stand before God and somehow complain that he is unjust or unfair or imperfect in any way. There's too much glory we don't have a clue about. Here's the fourth reason that we can't fully understand God because ultimately God decides what's understood. God decides what's known. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Every wise father knows to withhold information from his child at the right time. Our father is perfect. And he's decided that he's not going to answer every question. And since he's decided, he is perfect in wisdom. This is something that in his perfect sovereignty, he has decided to do. This contributes to the fact that he cannot be fully known. What is the application to this truth of his infinite nature, his perfection, the fact that we are sinful to understand him truly, that God decides what is known. What do we respond to? The majesty and the glory and the, the omniscience and omnipotence and omnipresence of our God. What's our response to this loved one? It's the fact that he cannot be fully known. Here's our response. If we're seeing it right, it's humility. It's worship. It's reverence. It's awe. It's love. That's our response to our God. 
when you recognize how great he is, you become so much smaller. He becomes so much greater and your vision becomes so much clearer. This is the doctrine of God and he is awesome and he cannot be fully known. The greatest application I think of this, and as I've said, is the application of love. Because of point one, this is so amazing that God cannot be fully known, but, but here's point two when it comes to the incomprehensibility or the knowability of God. Number two is this, is that yet we can know God truly. Our God is so far above us. Our God is incomprehensible, yet we can know our God truly. He has allowed himself to be known I mean, just stop and consider what this is saying. God is incomprehensible, yet God has made himself known. The God who is transcendent, the God who is other, the God who is infinite and holy, who is perfect and majestic, this awesome God has allowed himself to be known, listen, listen, by you and to be known by me. That is glorious. So at first take, when you see the truth that God cannot be fully known, that he is so far above us, that could lead to despair. Think, how could I ever reach this God then if he's so perfect and I am not? But when you combine truth number one with truth number two today, with point number one and point number two, then all of a sudden there's joy. If you'd like to hear this message again or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light.